Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. My guest today, Amy Rowlandson, is a coach, mentor, podcaster, speaker, and property investor. I'm breathless already. So she's obviously a very busy lady indeed. Amy inspires and empowers her entrepreneurial clients to discover the life they dream of through her coaching. The key word she uses throughout her coaching is why. Using this, she helps her clients discover their passion and purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. Amy launched the Focus on Why podcast this year for real people to share relatable, uplifting, and inspiring conversations based on one simple question, why, to encourage her audience, understand how to identify their own why, and to enable them to achieve the success they desire in whatever form that may take. I'm going to learn so much from this lovely lady who I didn't meet that long ago. But isn't it strange, Amy, how life has a way of just putting you in touch with people in the strangest of circumstances? I think it was a Saturday morning. Uh, there I was waffling on about something on a Professional Speakers Association webinar. And, uh, and you connected or we connected. I'm not quite sure what happened, actually. Uh, and you were very kind enough to invite me to your podcast. So this is a bit quid pro quo. But putting that to one side, so many fascinating things to find out about you. And I was desperate to have you as a podcast guest. So thank you, first of all, for joining us and giving us your time in what is clearly a packed day-to-day schedule. Oh, thank you. It's an absolute privilege to be on your podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity. And yes, it was Yorkshire. We popped up to Yorkshire for the for the morning that day for, to go to the Yorkshire PSA meeting. We did. Um, and you're a mum as well. So we've, let's, not, let's not overlook the fact that you are busy indoors as well as outdoors. Um, so let's start with, uh, with, with Amy Rowlandson, the, the mum, the woman, the entrepreneur, the coach. Um, take us back as far as you feel comfortable. Tell us about who you are, where you come from. I know we have, we've already established a connection, cricket, theatre, Stratford-on-Avon. Um, so just tell us a little bit about Amy Rowlandson for those who don't know much about you. Okay, so I'll add a couple more hats into the ring there. So I'm also loads of volunteering and fundraising, really important for me. Yes, I am a mum. I've got a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old and I am a wife. And actually, tomorrow is our 19 years wedding anniversary. We've been together 25 years. So add that into the mix. And my last hat that I'll talk about is a spaniel trainer. And wow, the thing I love about these these podcasts, doesn't matter how much research you do, things like spaniel trainers, you never quite find those on on Wikipedia or Google. Uh, Yeah, we might well have time to come back to the spaniel training. Um, So where did you grow up, Amy? Okay, so yes, going back to growing up, uh, mostly in Stratford-on-Avon. That's where I spent my sort of 
teenage years and where I spent most of my time was down by the river or at the theatre because I used to do a lot of rowing and I loved going to the theatre to watch Shakespeare plays as well. So rowing was a passion when I was younger. I was actually a national champion at the age of 15 and that was great. And I went to university thinking that I was going to continue with that, but I got sidetracked at university as you do. So yeah, I went to university, studied linguistics, came out of university straight into a job uh, after a little bit of teacher training, I was going to teach English as a foreign language, but that sort of went out the window, got a great job in recruitment. And I was there until I then had my children, was at home for 12 years and built a house in that time. And then went back to working part-time, although we all know what part-time means. It was sort of meant full-time and weekends at some point. And then I decided this is crazy. I need to be back 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 at home with the kids but also I had hunger to build my own business so I built a property portfolio and off the back of that my husband retired from his work last year and now we have the more time to do things like podcasting and spaniel training and uh, fundraising which is a huge passion for mine especially for cardiac risk for the young and yeah that's probably in a whistle stop tour of my life I, I'm now struggling to work out how I'm going to dissect all this in half an hour. Um, and as I said, we might come back to the spaniel training, but we've now got <laughs> into the mix and, uh, and rowing and all those other fascinating things. I'll tell you what I'm really, really keen to find out uh, from you today, Amy, if it's okay, Sim- simply because you spin so many plates and you do it all so successfully. That was the particular reason I wanted to have you on as a guest because uh, lots and lots of guests on this, on this podcast series have told us about how they've overcome adversity or how they've achieved success. I can't think of one actually who's really talked to us about how they keep all of that going, you know, that that time management thing, I guess. So we will talk a little bit about that. Um, Fast forward to where you are today, particularly the coaching, I want to focus on that because that dovetails nicely with, with the whole time management thing and bettering oneself and achieving the desires that I mentioned in the introduction. Um, What led you to that, to that calling, you know, that, that place where you are now, where you're helping people to transform their lives, to, to realize their potential. What, what led you to that point when you have such a diversified CV? Actually, it was quite organic. I was asked to coach people. So I didn't plan to coach people. I was asked, people came to me and said, please, can you help me? And I was doing that for about three, three years freely, happily, just sort of helping people do what they're doing. And my husband was sort of nudging me in the background saying, are you charging for that? And I was like, no, 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 I'm just helping them out. It's fine. And it kept on going. And then it was at the point where actually I really do need to monetize this because I can't keep giving away my time freely. I have a mastermind and I've got a lot of women in that group. And that is something that I'm very keen to keep as a free time that I spend every month. And I've been doing that since January, 2017. But this coaching that I was spending a lot of hours with actually just became something and evolved into more of a business. I, I would like to ask you just, you mentioned giving your time to your mastermind group and early on you mentioned philanthropy, something that's very important to me, something that is very important to many listeners, uh, but there's also people out there that would quite like to do more but don't know how. Um, let me turn the tables on you because why is a very important question in, uh, in everything that you do. So why, why philanthropy? Why help other people, whether it's charitable giving, whether it's giving your time, or indeed coaching, whether you charge for it, whether you don't. 
why do you do what you do? Because you clearly are a giver, a fixer, uh, whatever, whatever adjective it is you want to describe Amy Rowlandson, you are clearly somebody who wants to better the lives of other people. So the question there is why? I think it's just intrinsic. So I, I've it's always been the way I am. I've always helped other people. And I didn't necessarily know that that was my purpose in life. I just did it because it was natural to me. So I recognize that a lot of people are existing in the world and I want to flip that and, and make it more purposeful and, and help them to live a life and help them to find their why. Because I spent a lot of my life, albeit fulfilled, but very much on an autopilot, very much going out, doing all the things, keeping yourself busy, doing the children's chores and, and having a day full of things, but not necessarily always with a purpose. And it was only when I started reading and I read a lot and this is all to prepare myself for going back to work, also to prepare myself for being an entrepreneur. And reading sort of personal development books then led me on a path that I didn't really know I was going to go on. And that was very much a case of being more aware, having a, a greater self-awareness of myself. And then that has allowed me more time because I was more focused on what I was doing and I wasn't drifting. I, I, everything I did had a purpose and then I could plan and I could put that all together. So a lot of people do ask, have a different time frame to the rest of the world and no, the answer is I do not. I am naturally organized. I am a very well-planned person who can combine spreadsheets with creativity. So there is that nice balance there. But I've always, I've always been keen to help other people because that's just what I've done. I used to teach when I was about 15, I used to teach blind children how to row. And that would involve getting into a boat with four other children, same age as me. And I would cox them and I would coach them and I would coordinate every single movement in a boat. And that takes a lot of planning and, and thoughtful and just being very aware of who, who they are, what they need and listening to them. And I think that goes back to the coaching question. I've always been very good at listening and understanding people. So I have that ability. Having worked in recruitment as well, I think all of these things all tie in now. And if you sort of join the dots with hindsight, it will make sense what I do. Mm. Um, a day full of things is, is something you said earlier on. And I think that would resonate with an awful lot of people, you know, that, that process of kind of going through the motions, ticking the metaphorical boxes. Uh, and you then went on to say about being organized. Can anyone be organized? Can you teach someone to be organized? Not necessarily compartmentalize everything, but there are some people who, who you know, disorganization gets in the way of progress. Can anyone be organized? I don't know if I can answer that question. I think everybody's very different. I, I, it's something I find easy. So I, I, these are definitely habits that you can put into place and that you can definitely put in sort of compartmentalize your diary. You can be very strict with how you approach habits and, and, and tasks. There's, you've probably heard of the sort of the Parkinson's theory, which means that any task will swell to the amount of time that you afford it. So if you put a time frame on a particular task and you're strict with that, you can get things done in a much more structured way. And that definitely helps. And, and I do have, I'm very aware of what things I can do at what time in a day. So I would not approach sort of decision-making later on in the afternoon. All of those decision-making is done in the morning because I'm very much very on it in the morning. And anything that is 
more relaxed. And, and if I'm going to do some reading, I wouldn't use my power time in the morning. And that's something that I've been naturally aware of always, but even more so having read a book called The Power of When, which you know exactly what your chronotype is. I'm a lion. I ping out of bed at 100 miles an hour in the morning. So I know that if I want to get, do anything productive, I do it first thing in the morning. I'm a journaler. I've been journaling now for oh, 1,280 days consecutively. So that's something that I am very strict about. And that's really good because that helps you me see my growth. And I, I can't modify my memory because it's physically written down. So I know that when I'm setting goals, those are the goals that I've set and for what reasons. So going back to why I do, everything now is much more purposeful and that makes it much more fulfilling. I know what to say no to. I know what to say yes to. And that helps a lot with the whole day of things when you're you know, turning things down or not or accepting them. Good advice indeed. So, um, you know, a young woman... Uh, with with loads of things going on, six, seemingly successful at everything you do, but clearly there's got to have been some bumps in the road along the way. Uh, have, yeah. you know, whether it's a downturn in the property market or you know uh, financial pressures or things not working out the way you want them to work out, because that's life, as we know. How how does Amy Rowlandson deal with the challenges in life? A lot better than I used to. I think having more self-awareness and, and reading how to become more resilient has definitely helped because life is full of ups and downs and knowing that obstacles are going to be on the way and not in the way has been probably the biggest mindset shift for me because now I know to expect them and now I know that it's okay you're going to have to problem solve. It's not something that I particularly always enjoy. Obviously, we all like an easy road, but to to get through the hard times, and there have been some, particularly in property, because property is, there's lots of unknowns, there's lots of learning curves, and some of them are very steep. So yeah, I, I recognize as it, in all business that there are going to be challenges, but just knowing that you can ask for help, and I'm not afraid to do that. I can happily put my ego aside and say, guys, I'm struggling here. And I'll ask, I've got a great network of people that I've spent a lot of time building up who I can, I know I can trust to go out and ask for help. And I think that's something I would really advocate is always ask for help. What's coaching uh, for you in terms of the, the people you coach, what do you tend to do? I mean, I think many of us have an understanding of what coaching is. Others, maybe not. Uh, some struggle between leadership and management and coaching. For you, what what do you do? I'm not asking you for the dictionary definition of coaching, Amy. Uh, what I'm asking for here is what is it that you try to do with the people you coach? What what's your ultimate objective? Just help them become more aligned with what they want to achieve. They they know how to do it, but they just don't see that. And I just help them to see it. I think everybody has this incredible genius with inside them, but often they have their own blocks and they, they don't let that out. And I just literally just listen and let them work things out. And that is, it's, it sounds easy, but actually not offering advice is often not that easy. So just sitting quiet and letting people talk through what it is they want to achieve and allow that space to be heard yeah. is incredibly valuable them and for me. Typically, who, who comes to you for coaching? Is it a diverse range of people or do you find that people from a certain sector or, or walk of life come to you in particular? 
So I don't necessarily advertise that I coach. So people who find me tend to have found me through the podcast and I've had two podcasts now. I've, I've got a property podcast. So a lot of people, which is called the Property Vault, which I'm not actually adding any more episodes to, but people still find me through there because it's out there in iTunes. And and that can be from all over the world because that's the beauty of coaching is it doesn't have to be just based locally. You can do over over the Zoom coaching, which works very well. So people who come to me, typically I thought they would be from a certain demographic. They would be people who would identify themselves with me. They would be midlife beginners, which is what I call myself because I've had this whole new transformation recently in my sort of early to mid forties. But actually, no, I'm, I'm getting young, younger people come to me in their early twenties. I'm getting men, women, all sorts. So there's no particular type. I, I thought there would be, but not necessarily. What, what do you what do you find to be um, people's most common struggle? And that's a that's a very generalist uh, question because I'm sure everyone is different in their own way. But do you find that uh, if I was to say to you, okay, thinking about everyone you've ever worked with, um, is is there one theme that kind of stands out or tends to recur more often in people than others? Is there one particular area of life? that people struggle with the most? I mean, we'll talk about the why, uh, the focus on why in, that, in, a, in a moment, but is, it, is there a common theme that runs through life, through people, generally speaking, when they come to you? I would say it's always about not being or thinking big enough, not pushing themselves out of their comfort zone and not expecting to achieve great things. They, they tend to think small and, and so I help them go bigger and just say, well, what would happen if you just sort of go for the next thing or something else. And then they achieve it. And that's where the magic happens. When you take yourself out of your comfort zone, um, nothing, nothing exciting is going to happen within that space, really. It's when you, you push yourself and you get those butterflies, you push yourself and you, you think that you're not going to achieve that. And then it happens. And then it's those moments that I, I find incredible to see because then you, they, it's like a butterfly. You literally just see them flying off and they, they recognize how incredible their wings are. And I, I'm just, yeah, so excited to see that face. Yeah. Any book that we've ever read by any successful person, man or woman, they all seem to say the same thing that success is not comfortable. So uh, that resonates with me in particular. I'm sure lots of people listening. So let's talk about your, your particular brand of coaching, your focus on why. I'm really interested to have a conversation with you about that, Amy, because uh, it's the first time I've heard it approached of in that way. So what is it about your approach to coaching, particularly focusing on why? And if you wouldn't mind just elaborating on uh, what that kind of means and how that manifests itself in the way that you coach people. So what do, what do you specifically mean when you talk about focusing on somebody's why? And I think part B to the question is, when somebody says, I have no idea why, I have no idea why I'm doing what I'm doing. I have no idea why I get out of bed in the morning. How do you overcome that particular obstacle? Well, that's an easy one because I can, I can definitely identify with that, but it's, it's all about understanding that what you are doing is of value or of interest and with purpose. So it's about taking control 
And it's about living a life again with self-awareness and responsibility for taking those decisions about what you're doing. Passion helps definitely if you can involve something that you're passionate about, because when I'm talking to clients, the first question that I challenge them is when they're setting their goals and I ask them why they're setting those goals. What is it they want? Why, Why do they want that? What do they want to be, do and have? And the things they talk about sometimes actually aren't the things that they really want. They they think they are, but they're not. So we really sort of, I drill down. And by doing that, they realize that they weren't actually seeking those things. They were sort of thinking they were. It's very consumer-led quite often. And then when they really think about what they want to achieve and what they want to do and, and realize that there is so much more and that they could include so much more and they could involve their passion with their profession, with their vocation, with their mission. All of that then falls into place. And it's not easy. This is not something that you can do overnight. It is a, a, a longer process. I, I didn't get to this point. It's taken me 40 plus years to get to this point because I didn't know that I even needed to look at this. It's not something that you learn at school. It's not, you're sort of taught to go through the old motions of school, university, job, and and then and then for me, family. And it's then now that I started to challenge the state, challenge why I was doing things and, and aligning myself with my sort of reason of being, my raison d'etre, that I then realized that why is the foundation of everything I do and why I do. And that's how the concept of the podcast came because I... I was in another business with a business partner and, and at the beginning of lockdown, we we decided that things weren't going to continue. And that, that was not what I was expecting at the time. But I, what I did know is I really love podcasting. And I just feel that knowledge that I had accumulated, particularly in the, the property space, in the personal development space, had some value out there. And I knew that if I had some value, then maybe other people do. The, the interviews I'd had on, on the previous podcast were my favorite ones when I was interviewing other people and finding out what they did and why they did it. And so I woke up with the idea on the 1st of April and it wasn't an April Fool. It was, it was literally focus on why. I Googled it. I checked it. I was like, okay, nobody owns this. I need to go out there and just own this space and and do it and get the podcast out. And by the 30th of April, I'd already recorded and launched the, the podcast. And I have now recorded 78 episodes, which is just incredible. I mean, yes, it's been fortunate everyone's been available <laughs> to, to record, but they also are amenable to the concept. Every, there's no one said no, because I think everybody understands that what they're doing in the space of the, and the people that I've interviewed, they do have a why. Mm. But I do, I do want to put a caveat that it's not that easy to find it. And that some people may spend their entire lifetime looking for, or, and it's not something you can just find. You have to work towards um, a multifaceted approach of how to find it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to find it by you know, reading a book or turning over a page here. No, it's not, it's not as easy as that. Well, that is, yeah, I, I mean, I love the fact that you do focus on why, and we've had a, a previous discussion about it, and uh, I've seen you in action, as it were. Um, and I think that's a question that a lot of people should be asking themselves, especially right now. I mean, no, no better time, uh, since we all have a little bit more time on our hands, to be asking ourselves that question, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I pursuing this particular goal or objective? Uh, and all the other uh, other questions we ask ourselves. What is it... Um, 
about what you do, Amy, that you find most rewarding? You know, taking people on a journey from good to great, from, um, you know, inertia to action. I mean, apart from the fact it must be, uh, it must give you an incredible sense of your own personal well-being. What is it about what you do that gives you the most satisfaction? I think just seeing people understand that they have the ability to change their own lives, that they, they can do it and that they can take responsibility for that. that. That for me is the best thing is that there's no magic wand that anybody has to wave. They have their own power. They can do that themselves. And I think once you enable them to see that, that for me is the, is the greatest gift is to enable others to achieve themselves. Now, I say this with my, uh, through gritted teeth, it's professional jealousy that drives this question. You're an iTunes number one podcaster. Why do you think your podcast is so successful? And I'm ready to take copious notes. Okay. So I just want to just give you a bit of a, a, a check here. So that was my property vault podcast. So that had been a, a, out for a while and that was in entrepreneurship with this new podcast. I've only reached number four, so I've still got some work to go. Why is podcasting? I think in general is a great medium because people can really tune in. They can put their headset in and they can visualize what they need. They can use their own movies, their own stories and apply what they're hearing. And and I think that any podcast that is relatable or inspiring or empowering will be a hit. So a lot of people love talk shows. Talk shows are probably the, the most popular in all podcasts. So that's definitely going to help you to achieve results. You also need to know a little bit about the algorithms and, and know a bit behind the scenes of how to get your podcast working from the outset. And I think that makes a massive difference. I did a lot of things wrong the first time when we launched our first podcast, but this one, I, I was much more prepared. And so I, I knew how to, to get it into a space that would work. So there's a little bit of, of, of the manipulation of the algorithms as well. I think you're being far too modest. Um, I've, I've heard your podcast and they're exceptional. No, no reason why they shouldn't be number one or number four. Uh, and yeah, and the fact that one was your property vault, I mean, has, has no bearing on the question. The fact is you still got to number one and that, and that takes some doing in a pretty competitive podcasting world. Um, how do, I just want to go back to this question about how you managed to fit so much in. The, the properties, I mean, why on earth? I mean, apart from the fact you've got your husband in the background saying, go on, Amy, pull your socks up. I feel like retiring. I'd like you to be really, really super successful, please, and I'll stay at home and do the cooking. Um, why, why property? Why, why diversify even further with all this other stuff going on? I just want to just say that my husband and I have worked as a team for the entire time we've been together. And it's certainly not um, as simple as, as how you just described it. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily his voice saying, yes, I'd love to come and just do the cooking. Although he has actually been a lot more active in the cooking and I haven't cooked a meal for a very long time because the kids all step up. We get gusto meals. So between the three of them, they do a lot of the cooking. So I've forgotten the question now. <laughs> what was it? Why, why, uh, why property? Why diversify even uh, further? Is it, is okay. it you know, part of a, a grand financial plan for you and the family? And I did say what I said earlier, by the way, about your husband, very firmly tongue in cheek, but don't say that seriously. I just want to make sure in case he listens to this, I didn't, didn't correct you. In case he listens to this. 
property was something that I had some interest in. I also had a um, experience in, we bought a project back in 2006 and totally rebuilt the house. And so I, the property started out as a route to fund my passions. And I, it was, it was very much a case of, it was a great way of us using buying assets and allowing that to, to continue to build and become a legacy for the family as well. Something and we've become much more aware of what we can and what we can't do with our, with our funds, what we were doing um, from a SAS point of view, I've also become a SAS trustee. So taking hold of my own pension now and using that to invest in various um, property as well. So it's, it's all about, I, I believe that property can either be your passion or it can be a vehicle that you can use to fund your passion. And for me, it's, it's a little bit of both because I really enjoy the conversions. I love being able to convert a property and see how you can transform a space and then it become a beautiful area for someone to live, a home for them to live in. And that is incredible. I love seeing that. And I, we did it for our own home and it was a hard work. We had two small children at that time and we lived in and I got my hands very dirty. There was myself and two builders and I was so so focused on delivering it. We lived downstairs, did upstairs, moved upstairs and did downstairs. And, and I wouldn't change it for the world because it was an incredible experience. It was hard work and it was really mucky, <laughs> but well, I wouldn't change it. You're, you seem to have transfer. I'm, I've been trying to think of the word that you've been speaking. Transformation seems to almost be at the heart of everything you do, whether it's philanthropy or coaching or property, yeah, or, or indeed um, helping young children to blind children learn to row on the um, River Avon, for example. Um, yeah, it, yeah it, it seems to be you seem to be somebody built for transformation to help people from move to, to from one place to another. Um, probably, therefore, no better person to ask this question to. Um, do you have a particular mantra? Do you have any rules that you live by that determine your often very successful outcomes? Are there, are there certain rules that you live by, Amy? 100%. So it's never too late to be what you might have been is probably my biggest one. So I, I believe that anybody can, can do whatever they need to do at any point in time and that it's not too late. You just need to want to do it. Um, and, and that's the, the input. I love transformations. You're absolutely right. And it's really important for me to, to help people see that end result. I think I do have that vision. I, I am able to see something and that's how I can take people or buildings from one point to another because I can see that end process and I see it right from the start. So I can see it either on a plan or I can stand in a space and I can say, I can see it. I can literally see this end product. It was something when I was very passionate about helping with our cricket club back in 2012. And I said, right, we need to do so many changes here. It was a bit of grand designs and changing force, uh, changing rooms and ground force and grand designs combination. And it, using the NatWest Cricket Force uh, initiative, which is the largest sporting initiative in the country, we transformed the cricket ground. We've got 175 people to come over a weekend and do a huge amount of work and a huge amount of prep work before that over the preceding weekends. And it was a huge transformation. And it, we got 30, I got, well, I, I sourced 36,000 pounds worth of free materials, whether that be paint or, or 
hedgerows or whatever. I just went out and asked people and they said yes. And they kept saying yes. And it was just great. And as a result of that, I got awarded a national outstanding service to cricket award. And I wasn't expecting it. I just wanted that club to, to change. It needed in and my motto at the time then was it couldn't get any worse because it really couldn't, it was falling apart and it now looks spectacular and it galvanized a cricket club. It is completely changed. It's now thriving because there are youngsters are coming through and they're running the club. Well done you. That's, I mean, it's always lovely, lovely to be recognized. I know from what I know of you, that's not the reason you'd have done it, but it's always lovely to be recognized, particularly, uh, by peers or by authorities within a, within a particular sport in this case or, or area of business. So um, what's next? <laughs> dare, dare I even ask what's going to be added to the CV next? Because uh, I want to come on to ask you uh, how we find out more about you. So the podcast you told us, Property Vault on iTunes. What about the current one? What's that called? So the current podcast is Focus on Why. And as you've probably guessed, I'm incredibly passionate about that subject. And I have had a huge number of people who are already out and you can listen to those. And I've got a huge number already planned and and recorded as well. Focus on why is for me, probably the greatest gift that I can leave because it is a a collection of wonderful stories, why people have done what they've done, why people are doing what they're doing and why people want to do what they're planning to do. And they're sharing that and they are inspiring people and people listen to this podcast for inspiration, for empowerment, for reaffirming messages that they're on the right track doing what they're doing. And I just feel that that's something that I needed to put out there. I wanted to curate this particular podcast because I I have great network and I, I know a lot of people and I know a lot of people who I could bring onto the show that would make a difference to people. And as you say, transformation is important for me. Well done. And um, you're a professional speaker. We almost didn't mention that. Um, so you're a professional speaker as well. So there must be social media, there must be websites. So tell us about those as well, if you would. Thank you. So yes, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Facebook. I'm not really on Twitter, a little bit on Twitter, but yeah, you can connect with on any of those platforms. Okay. And Amy Rowlinson, spelled exactly as it sounds. It is. It's R-O-W-L-I-N-S-O-N. Fabulous. Final question, since we are sadly out of time uh, and you know what's coming because you've listened to a few of the podcasts and it's the question we ask all of our guests, Amy. Um, if one of your kids came to you and said, right, mum, you know, extensive CV, loads of experience of life, uh, the universe and everything else, all that lovely philanthropic stuff you've done, all the people you've coached, the podcasts you've recorded. But if there was one piece of advice you could give me, mum, that would help me find my way in life, make sense of all the things that have gone on in your life, good and bad, if you could just drill it down to one single piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, that's a really tough one. There's so many things I'd like to say, and I'm just trying to pull it down. But I think it just comes down to it's never too late to be what you might have been. That's as good as anything else. And we've not had that one from anyone before. I think that's a really, I think that's a great piece of advice because uh, I often talk about, you know, uh, discipline and regret and the fact that too many of us do look back, unfortunately, uh, looking kind of, over our shoulder and, and think to ourselves or, 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 or articulate the fact that we wish we'd done something. Um, and oftentimes people do find it too easy to 
seek the excuse that it is a bit too late to do something or to take a risk. And what you're saying is that is not the case. Absolutely. Who you are, what you do and what you have is all within your control. And what you want to have determines who you become and what you do. So it's never too late to be what you might have been. Love it. I love it. Amy Rowlandson, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. No, no doubt, lots and lots of people will now start, well, lots more people will start tuning into your podcast, having listened to uh, this conversation today. Um, you know, you are a, a mum and a property investor and a, a philanthropist and a coach. And I mean, thank you so much for finding the time in that, uh, what must be an amazingly organised diary to squeeze this in amongst that little lot. So thank you very much indeed for joining us once again. Thank you.